0: Let us stand in body or in spirit and listen with holy expectation for a word from God. I read from the Gospel of Mark, verse 1 through 8. The proclamation of John the Baptist. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from all of the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river. Confessing their sins, now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. So imagine, if you will, that you are in Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. Jerusalem is in turmoil. They are under siege by the Roman military. And neighbors are fighting against neighbors, families are divided over politics. The conditions of the city are terrible. Supplies are low. The economy is in a shambles. The price of oil is skyrocketing. Olive oil. There is a sense in the religious community that God is lifting people up to resist Rome and to fight against Rome. There's also within the religious community people who are saying the only way for peace and security is to acquiesce to Rome. And all of these religious voices are arguing with one another over what God wants and what the appropriate response is. There are some who are resentful of the Roman military but who are equally unsettled and fearful of extremist guerrillas who want to kill Roman soldiers and go toe-to-toe with the Empire. On top of that Emperor Nero had died a year before in 69 AD. And in the last year, four men were named emperor, and each of them was assassinated. Adding to the mix of uncertainty in Jerusalem, the general Vespasian, who was assigned to keep Jerusalem in order, he was named the next emperor. And so people weren't sure, should he... Go back to Rome? Will he govern from Jerusalem? If he goes back to Rome, who's going to be in charge? Is this an opportunity to overthrow Rome? Is this an opportunity to give in to Rome? One small sect of religious people were in between those camps. They were followers of a Galilean rabbi named Jesus and they were trying to find a third way, a middle way, a way that did not fight against either the guerrillas or the Roman militia. They were trying to follow Jesus and to worship God as the ultimate authority. Well, at the time, in 70 AD, most rabbis thought that these Followers of Jesus were heretics. And for those who were trying to overthrow Rome, they saw these early Christians as worthless, powerless, anemic, good for nothing, because they really weren't fighting the fight against the empire. So as you're imagining yourself... In that milieu, someone comes up to you and quietly says, "Would you like to uh, read something? It will it will help you in your faith life, but don't say it out loud unless you really are ready." They hand you a scroll, and the scroll begins. The good news of the birth of Jesus, the Christ, Son of God. And you roll that scroll up and look around, hoping nobody just saw you read that, because it is seditious. It is treasonous. They've substituted out the name of Caesar Augustus and substituted in the name of Jesus Christ there are inscriptions that exist to this day that say in stone the good news of the birth of Caesar Augustus, son of God. Do you see how dangerous this is? They've su- the Gospel of Mark, written, scholars say, about 70 AD, has substituted in the name of Jesus and taken out the name of Caesar Augustus. Followers of Rabbi Jesus are gutsy people. And they're probably dangerous people. And they could be killed for passing this kind of literature around. This is the literature that Owen read to us this morning in the peaceful setting of the Chatham United Methodist Church. But there was a time when to read that in public was treasonous against the empire. Some would say it still is. The gospel writer of Mark was saying up front, this is who we are. This is where our allegiance is to the God of Jesus Christ. The writer of the gospel of Mark was saying, we're pulling no punches here. We're not going through a birth narrative. We're not talking about the ancestry of Jesus, we're going right to the theological point. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the one that we follow, and he is the one we worship, and he is the one who will ultimately set us free, whether Rome is in charge or not. He is the one that liberates us and shows us who we really are. So it begins with saying, this is the good news. I don't know about you, but I don't know if we really like good news. I think we would rather bad news. And here's the evidence that I'm seeing. If we, let's just say as a nation, really wanted good news, the news that we watch, would be different. But those who invest hundreds of millions of dollars in the news media know that what we really like to watch is bad news. We, at some ego level, we like conflict. Did you know that our ego loves conflict? Our soul does not, but our ego does. Our soul longs for peace, but our ego loves conflict. We like to watch it. If it bleeds, it leads. We like to consume it. We like to propagate it. We even like to mix it up and create little conflict here and there because it somehow tells our ego self we have power. But our soul knows that what we are really hungering for is peace. So Isaiah writes, See, I am sending a messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. John the Baptist says, prepare a way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the Baptist is always pointing away from himself and to the Christ, saying, he is the one who is greater than I. I am unworthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, we who have been baptized into Jesus the Christ have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is a gift that we sometimes unwrap and sometimes we don't unwrap. I want to invite you to unwrap that gift. For the Holy Spirit is the only one who can lead us from our ego self that likes conflict to our soulful self that longs for peace. The Holy Spirit is within us and among us and around us. And the more we invest in this Christian pilgrimage of trust, the more the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and we get in the flow of that spirit that leads us from conflict to peace. From the ego self to the soulful self. Today we light a candle, the second candle of Advent for peace. And there seems to be woefully little peace in our world, in our churches, in our denomination, in our lives. And maybe we came to church this morning to hear that we have a gift that's been given to us at our baptism and to unwrap that gift of the holy spirit may be what leads us to a place of peace perhaps this week as part of our spiritual discipline that's what we pray for last week we were praying for hope for ourselves for others for the world maybe this week we're invited to pray for peace maybe we Don't even know what to pray for or how to pray that. Maybe the word is peace. Maybe we just sit with God for five minutes every day and say, God, I don't know what to pray for. But let me just say this word of peace. Maybe the word is shalom. Maybe we just breathe that in and breathe that out. In fact, let's do that right now. Just in your mind, breathe out peace. And breathe in peace. breathe out peace and breathe in peace and breathe out peace and let the peace of Christ which passes understanding breathe in and out of us And maybe after those five minutes of daily prayer, we might find ourselves waiting in line somewhere, not knowing what to do. And instead of picking up our iPhone, we just breathe in peace and breathe out peace. Maybe we see people getting unsettled in front of us in line or the cashier feeling stressed and we just breathe in peace and breathe out peace on whoever is with us, maybe we find ourselves in in the car during rush hour, breathing in peace, and breathing out peace. Maybe we find ourselves in our cubicles at work or at a meeting, which is a stressful meeting, and our colleagues won't even know what we're doing, but we, with our eyes open, are breathing in peace and breathing out peace. I am convinced that if we as people of faith can stand on the foundation of peace, we will be able to enter into the fracas, into the chaos, into the dis-ease with a stance that God can use, a stance that is not afraid, a stance that can actually make a difference in the conflicts that we are called into. But if we are coming into those chaotic, tumultuous situations from a place of ego, we will just be part of the conflict. If we come at those tumultuous, chaotic situations from a place of peace, a place of soul, God, will flow through us. May it be so for you and for me and for people of faith
0: wherever they are. Amen.